We're working through Exodus. Today's subject is a people of Sabbath rest. Scripture today is Exodus 31, 12 through 18. We're going to read it off the screen together. At some point. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Lord, I I ask that uh, you would begin the process of uh, tilling up the ground of people's hearts this morning. Um, Maybe uh, in the middle of the summer, sometimes when it doesn't rain, um, the earth gets kind of dry and parched and cracked. And and actually, when the rain does come, a lot of times it slides off because there's nothing there for it to saturate. Um, I pray now that you bust that up a little bit and get people ready for what you have to say. Let's go. We're a people of Sabbath rest. If you're not familiar with it, the word Sabbath means to rest or to pause. That's basically what it is. It's one of God's Ten Commandments. In fact, it's only one of two that's positive. If you think about that, isn't that interesting? He could have said, do not fail to keep the Sabbath day, but he didn't. You need to keep the Sabbath. He doesn't say... It's funny, don't murder, don't steal, don't do all those things, but do keep that Sabbath now. It's a command and an obligation. We are to be a people of Sabbath rest. And now the apology. We have no time today to discuss the benefits of taking Sabbath. Although those are many. We also have no time today to talk about the reasons why God might have instituted Sabbath rest. And those are many as well. What I do want to talk about today might seem a little strange at first, but it's powerful. And it's driven by the heart of today's scripture. You see, it's fairly obvious that Sabbath is a commandment, but there's a whole lot more to this Sabbath thing than I ever imagined. And I I think it'll be the case for you, too. The best part of preaching, by the way, is it messes you up good. And uh, it makes you learn things and know things and encounter things that you you wouldn't have known otherwise. So thank you for for the opportunity. Now get ready. What I never grasped until this week is that the Sabbath is also an invitation. We are invited, not just commanded, to be a people of Sabbath rest. What is the difference? Let me explain. First, the context of our scripture, how we got here. 
God brought the Hebrew people out of Egypt. They were slaves. He literally took them up and got them out. He heard their cries. They were on the move then, nomads, through the wilderness. If you remember, some of you maybe have heard the story, uh, Pharaoh and his army, they realized that their, cheap, their source of cheap labor has left. He says, oh man, we, what a mistake. So he follows the Hebrew people with all of his chariots and all of his army, and they get stuck, and, and God gets them in the Red Sea, and the Hebrew people are free to walk on. And they do walk on to Mount Sinai, and they camp at the base and hang out for a while. God calls Moses and some others up onto the mountain, and they go up. What we've been talking about recently is, is Moses on the mountain. What happens is, is, you know, I'm sure complicated for scholars or something, but for us, what happens is he get, we get the Ten Commandments. Moses does, okay? Moses gets the Ten Commandments. Then he's given instructions on how to build a tabernacle. And they are detailed. Toby mentioned just the, the, the sheer vast, uh, the, the, the detail is just, just impressive and overwhelming at times. He also then tells Moses how to go about fulfilling the instructions. And in this case, it was to uh, empower craftsmen and craftswomen. And then at the end, one last thing before he comes down. By the way, he's already said keep the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. But this last thing, again, before Moses comes down, the last thing he says, God does, is keep the Sabbath holy. Seems kind of random. And and the placement of it made me think, but it's really not random. And here's the power of what the scripture has to say today. The reason for the Sabbath message at the end of his time on a mountain, one of the most important times probably in human history, actually, um, and a key to understanding our passage today can only be understood when you consider where Israel has been and where it is heading. Israel is surrounded. I've got a handy little map, thanks to Google Images. Um... Look to the left, Egypt. They've just come from there. They were enslaved. Egypt was very, very powerful. It was built around a, a river, that, the River Nile. You might have heard of it. Um, what I've done is put a, a handy little star to indicate where Jerusalem was later, but where the people were moving into the Promised Land. The little red area there is Canaan. Canaan was the area of the Promised Land that they were coming into. It was inhabited by uh, uh, several subcultures of people. Um, later, the Philistines, uh, the Phoenicians. For those of you that, that follow these things, um, really unimportant. But uh, to the east of that actually was probably uh, the emerging culture, the one that would be mightiest, and that's Mesopotamia, built on the Tigris and Euphrates River, the cradle of, 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 of uh, the ancient Near Eastern civilization. I promise that's the nerdiest thing I'll say all day. Um, but uh, okay, thank you. I just wanted the invitation. Uh, look now, they're, they're hemmed in. They are hemmed in by people way more powerful than they are. Bullies. They're the little kid on the schoolyard with all the lunch money to steal. In each, of the, in each of these cultures, the Egyptian, the Canaanite, and the Mesopotamian, they each have a story about how the world came to be. And in each of these stories, there is a Sabbath. God rests. Their gods rest. Did you know that? Sabbath is not unique to the Jewish faith. I'm going to highlight a few of these stories, but I don't want you to think for a minute that in doing so we are diminishing Scripture. Actually, on the contrary, what I want you to understand is something at the very heart of the message of the Bible. That the kingdom of God has always offered a direct challenge to the normal ways we humans think about life. 
the kingdom always brings with it contrast. It always offers you an alternative way of thinking, way of thinking about doing life and thinking about life. And it always, I almost want to apologize for this, but it always will put you in the difficult position of making a decision. Always has, always will, still does today. In all the cultures that I just described, the gods take a rest. They sabbath. They do so in two, in, at, on two occasions. The first is after creation, and the second is after victory. We're going to run through these because I think there's some power in understanding what's going on here. The first thing I want to talk about is Egypt. There's a document called The Theology of Memphis, which, to be fair, I've never read before this week, but I have now. Um, in this, the Egyptian, uh, Memphis was the heart, the cradle of the Nile uh, uh, civilization at the time. And in the theology of Memphis, the uh, Egyptian god, the one that creates things, is named Ptah, or something like that. He creates the heavens and the earth, and then the lesser gods. And then the theology of Memphis says, and I quote, And so Ptah rested, after he had made everything, as well as the divine order. Canaan, where the Hebrews were moving into, has a story that's called the Ugaritic Baal Epic. In this case, they call their creator god El. He is the one who creates uh, the lesser gods, and each of these lesser gods has a function um, to do with with things. You know, for instance, um, Baal, who becomes kind of a, a big deal. Baal's job, he was the storm god. His job was to make sure it rained. And to make sure then when it rained that it got sunny after and kept the seasons going. And so Baal was put in charge by El to keep, to keep things going. Now in the Ugaritic Baal epic, Baal is for some reason swallowed by Mot. Mot is the, uh, the under god of the underworld. And he swallows up Baal and things get crazy. The rain stops. The seasons stop. The earth comes to a standstill and chaos ensues. And Al, interestingly, El, I'm sorry, Al, let's call him Al. That'd be more fun. (laughs) I like that. Old Al, uh, he can't sleep. He really can't sleep. It's weird. He has weird dreams. And he can't sleep because everything's in chaos. And he thinks, how can I get some rest? Bal's sister, Anat, apparently liked him. Because uh, she decided to go down and track him. She found out he's in the underworld and went down and cut open the belly of Mott. And Baal got to come back. Baal comes back to earth. And all of a sudden he does what Baal does. He makes storms and and, uh, weather. And the order of creation is restored. The rain starts again. The seasons start again. It's complete again. And the Ugaritic says this. Now, uh, El's response is, is this. Now I can sit and rest. Even my inmost being can rest. Bernard Bado, who is a scholar of these ancient cultures, notes that the creator, father of the gods and humankind could relax and rest once more because this cosmos was again in order. Mesopotamia, last one I'm going to highlight. The Enuma Elish. Some of you may have read this one. It's a little bit more popular um, for those of you that read this stuff. Uh, Yeah, maybe don't put your hands up. In this case, Marduk is the uh, the big deal. A guy named Marduk. What a a great name for a um, 
before a, uh, a creator, Marduk. Anyway, he rests twice. First of all, he kills a rival god, Tiamut. Tiamat, I suppose. Um, and the Enuma Elish says, um, after he killed Tiamat, now Tiamat, by the way, is threatening all the other lesser gods and um, threatening the order that they have. So Tiamat and Kingu, another of their, um, their, their kind of partners, they decide to kind of stage a coup and, and overthrow the status quo. That's the context here. But uh, the lesser gods uh, nominate Marduk to take care of business and get or restore order. So they, 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 they band together and put him in charge. The Enumelish says, quote, And the Lord stood upon Tiamat's hinder parts, and with his merciless club he smashed her skull. He cut through the channels of her blood, and he made the north wind bear it away into secret places. Then the Lord rested. Now what he does with Tiamat is really interesting. He cuts her down the middle, and in the upper half of her he, he makes the heavens. In the lower half he makes the earth. And then what we find is, Marduk takes a rest. He Sabbaths. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Genesis 2, 1 through 2 says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The point, in creation stories, gods take Sabbath rest when everything is complete, when their own work of creating is so perfect that there is not a thing left to do. Only then can they rest. In the case of rest after creation, Sabbath demonstrates completion. Hey, Abby, if we could move forward on the slides on that, that'd be great. The other way that Sabbaths happened in the, in the ancient world was, uh, was after victory. We're going to only highlight one of these for the sake of time because I want to get to more important stuff. But I need to demonstrate this, I think, so you know I'm not just making it up. Again, we'll stick with the Enuma Elish. In this case, Marduk has already killed Tiamat, we talked about, and made the, the heavens and the earth from, from her body. He then turns his attention to uh, Kingu, and he kills Kingu, her henchman. Kingu had previously stolen the Tablets of Destiny. They should make a cartoon or something. Like, I feel like it's, it's coming out. Marvel will probably get this. But uh, the Tablets of Destiny, uh, which served as a symbol of kingship or divine authority, almost like a crown or a scepter would be um, in, in, in our world. Upon killing Kingu, Marduk takes the Tablets of Destiny from Kingu and pins them on his body, the symbol of kingship and authority. After watching Marduk eliminate the threats, Tiamat and Kingdu, Kingu, the other gods acknowledge his authority as the chief god. And what they do is really interesting. They build him a temple in Babylon called Esagala. There's a picture. After it's built, Marduk enters his temple. And the Enuma Elish says this. The other gods watched, joyful and jubilant. They brought gifts of homage, they to him. Then the Lord rested. The Enuma Elish actually says he hung up his weapons. He took his bow and hung it up on the wall behind him. And that bow, they think, to be the, the North Star. 
he hung up his net into the heavens. The reason he hung up his weapons is he no longer needed them. The threat had been removed, authority had been maintained, and now he could sleep because there's nothing left to do. Here's the big connection I don't want you to miss. I'm going to go back to Exodus 31. I'm just going to run through this because we've got a lot to talk about in terms of the difference this makes to the way you go about your business tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, etc. In Exodus 31, the passage we get to, Yahweh has defeated his enemies. The gods of Egypt have been shown to be impotent. Pharaoh and his armies have been swallowed up by the sea. The threat has been removed. And now it's time to build a temple, a tabernacle. And we read on at the very end of Exodus, the last thing that happens in the book of Exodus, and we'll get to this uh, in some future sermons, but, but it's interesting. Once Moses finally finishes the building of the tabernacle, he prays for it and consecrates it. And this is what Exodus 40, 34 and 35 say. It's the last thing, and then Exodus closes. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is the end of the Exodus. God had defeated his enemies, and he rested. The point, again, in stories of God's triumphing over their enemies, God's rest once those whom they have saved build them a temple. They can rest easy knowing that their authority is unquestioned. Sabbath, in this case, demonstrates authority. They can rest because they're in charge. Quick review. Sabbath happens in the ancient stories on two kinds of occasions, after the gods create and after the gods win. The resting of God after creation indicates that all is complete, that there is nothing more to be done, it is just right. The resting of God after a victory, and importantly, the building of a temple, demonstrates that this God's authority is beyond question. Would-be rivals have been soundly defeated. So what? What could this possibly have to do with, with your lives? What's the point? I've told you now about the Sabbath and what it meant to these old folks. God rested. But note this. It is only, only, only in the ancient Near East, it's only the case that God rests. Only. But this is the time when Yahweh flips the script where his kingdom offers a distinct contrast to every other kingdom for the first time. People, you and me, are invited to participate in something that only God's enjoyed, and that is Sabbath rest. Sabbath is not only a command, it is an invitation. When seen from this perspective, it's not just about taking a break or relaxing on a Sunday. Not that that's not important. And it, it, that's another sermon for another day. And one, actually, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that after, after church over, over coffee, if you'd like. But in this case, when we're talking about Sabbath's invitation, we're talking about participation. It's a call to participation. You have been invited to share in it. 
And so you have been invited to share in the completion of God and the authority of God. I want to take a minute to explain why this might be good news for you. First, you may not feel settled. Somehow, it always seems like something is left hanging, like maybe you left the iron or the oven on. That nagging feeling that things aren't quite as they should be. Or you feel perhaps like something's missing. Like there's just a little piece that, that, that you're scrambling to get. If you just had that, man, maybe it'd be all right. The Bible says in Romans that we're all that way. The good news is that you are invited to participate in the kind of completion that really does give you a sense that all is as it should be. Maybe a story will be best in conveying what I'm trying to get across. I cook from time to time. Not well, but it gets the job done. Maybe three, four times a week I go home and make something um, to eat. Um, most of the times it has to do with wanting protein and, um, and speed. Um, so I cook, you know, eggs or chicken or vegetables in, the, in, a, in a pan. And, and um, it's not the best. I, I, I try to put together a decent meal, you know, meat, some veg, some carbs on the side. Um, but when I sit down to eat... I always need hot sauce. Because <laughs> there's always something missing. The good news is, for bachelors like me, hot sauce is cheap. And, uh, and all of my food takes on the same flavor, really. Uh, I just scorch my taste buds so it all is the same, you know. But, but I use hot sauce to cover the gaps in what should be there. I get by. Once a week, though, on Sunday nights, I get to eat in the home of Steve and Alyssa Watts. For those of you who don't know, my friend Alyssa went to culinary school and is a fantastic cook. Can I tell you something? I have never once used hot sauce. (laughs) In the Watts home. And there's a reason for that. You sit down. And because of the work and the preparation and the way it's done by someone who knows what they're doing, not a thing more needs to be added. Everything tastes as it should be. There really isn't a single thing that needs to be done in addition. The point is that your life might feel like a bit of a wreck and a whole lot might be missing. You might find your own way of adding hot sauce through food, through romance, through entertainment, through alcohol. We all add hot sauce to our lives to fill in the gaps. The good news is you have been invited over to God's house. And he actually wants, unlike these other jokers, he wants you to share in his rest. The rest that comes from the feeling that all is well, even with little old you. 
once a week on Sunday at least. And someday, when it all comes together, no more hot sauce ever. Nearly unbelievable to me. Nearly unbelievable. But of course there's more. It is impossible to rest when you're afraid. It's impossible. When you're insecure, you can't lay down. Most of us today, maybe every one of us, feels like we lack authority over at least one aspect of our lives. It could be an area like our thought lives. We seem to have no authority over our impulse to lust or to anger. Or it could be related to to mental health issues. We simply seem to have no reasonable authority over the voices in our head. They torment us and make us feel like they're victims. We're like the little dinghy that's gone too far out to sea, aren't we? Perhaps for you it's economic or physical. You simply feel like the victim of a messed up system. You always seem to find yourself holding the short end of the stick. And you have no control over what's going on. People, other people dictate too much. Listen to me. You, even you, have been invited to rest alongside your father. In his Sabbath presence, you can lay down your weapons and actually rest. Because you are covered by his authority, the strong man has been bound. God's authority is transferred to you. It looks a little bit like this. I spent some time in Guatemala uh, three different times doing construction projects. Um, We worked at an orphanage in a place called Puerto Barrios uh, on the uh, eastern coast. Um, In Puerto Barrios, especially on one particular occasion, the one I'm going to tell you about, there was a lot of political unrest. It was nearing an election season, and uh, there were a lot of of, uh, politically related gang activity, a lot of uh, weapons, um, uh, lots of things happening, assassinations of of political figures. We didn't call off our trip. Um, The orphans needed a chicken coop. And, uh, And we had a dumb idea to build one it doesn't matter uh we went so we packed all our power tools and it was a group of us uh, guys that like this stuff and uh we went down to, to puerto barrios into the orphanage and um uh, our our local liaison was a uh, a guy who worked for the peace corps down there and um and helped as as a just kind of a, a local agent with this particular orphanage his name was matt now, Matt told us on our orientation, listen, have fun in here, um, but I really need you for your safety and your security not to leave the little street that, that the, uh, the orphanage was on. It's kind of a, more of an alleyway almost. Thankfully, there was a, a tienda next door, and a tienda offers random stuff, but uh, including, you know, Cokes and, uh, and, and snacks and things. Just, you know, the end of a day of work, you want, you want something. So go next door and, and have that. Get, our, get ourselves a Coke. But he said, you know, don't go past the tienda for your security. One morning, um, I woke up early and, and wanted coffee, as I, as I do every morning, um, the impulse. Uh, and I walked out to the kitchen, and uh, I, I turned on the kettle. And it was so quiet and peaceful. Um, I'd never left the compound past the tienda, at least. And Matt came into the room. He was up early as well. That guy was an energizer bunny. He'd never quit moving. Um, and he said, hey, man, you want to go for a run? I'm like, what are we going to do, laps inside the, uh, <laughs> you know, the compound? I thought this should be funny. 
But I said, yeah, let's go. And I was surprised. Matt, Matt led me outside the compound. And we started to run. And I, I kind of, I was running like this, you know, like uh, I wondered where our helmets were. But uh, we got out and started running and it hit me a block or two in. We could run through Puerto Barrios. Because Matt had authority that we lacked. People knew Matt in Puerto Barrios. Matt spoke excellent Spanish. And he was gigantic. He looked like an action figure. Um, (laughs) The fact is, for the first time on that whole trip, I relaxed. And I just got into the groove and thought, this guy's got it. I'm set. And I took in a beautiful culture. Things that my buddies never got to see. Because I was hanging out with Matt. You guys are going to get out early. Maybe. We'll see how prayer goes, huh? I've offered you a big idea this morning. That you aren't just commanded to participate in Sabbath rest. But that you actually just might be invited to join into it. fact is that's all important and I believe it's true but that that doesn't change a life does it God thought about that listen he sent a guy 1500 years later this is woven in to the fabric of the Bible believe me this is huge Jesus said Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, come and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is about the business of inviting you to rest. I don't want you to think this morning about Sabbath as an obligation. I do want you to think that this might be your chance. He offered it once to a group of people wandering around the wilderness. I'm not sure they really took it. God's persistent, man. He offered it again, and he still offers it again and again and again. We're going to start the music again, so y'all can come on up. I'm going to invite us to come forward for prayer in a moment. But I want to be real clear before you stand up about what we're doing. I want you to respond not to an idea. I want you to respond to a person. Now, it's the same thing if you read the Bible. But I'm asking you to respond to the person who offered rest, this Jesus guy. Some of you will have known Jesus forever. You've been a Christian for a long time. It may be time to encounter him again. And to say yes, maybe it's just today you need a touch of rest. Or you feel like you need to be able to feel like things are complete, even for a day. Or you want to feel like you want to participate in the authority that, that, that God has offered.
For others of you, you've never probably met Jesus. That's cool. Fact is, he offers this rest and he'd be happy to... What you got to do, let's just be honest. Just come down. What someone's going to do is stand beside you and say, what do you want from Jesus today? Say, man, I'd like to meet the guy. I'd like to see what he's got. Let's see if this is real. Let me see if this rest is, is, is for real. Either way, wherever you are, I, I do believe this. Each and every one of you, there's no exception. Um, I think there's a call for you today to rest. And that involves joining in with Jesus in a sense of things as they should be. And a sense of authority. And it might not be for you, it might be for a friend. that You need to take control and ownership over something for the sake of a friend. I want to ask you to come forward and put the, you know what, put the pressure on God. Let's see what he does. He's got big shoulders from what they tell me. I'm going to ask you to stand now. We're going to pray. Father, we're just going to wait for a minute and um, I'm going to ask you to move. Um, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, uh, Go ahead and do the work on that soil you started tilling up. Um, I'm going to ask you to uh, stir people up this morning. Um, um, I'm going to ask you uh, to make it seem to each person that you're literally coming and standing right next to them, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, that invitation he's talking about is, is for you. Lord, we're... we're uh, we miss you. We love what you're doing in the world. We love what you've done. We know what you're going to do. We, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit um, who walks alongside of us. Thankful for this Jesus guy. Um, but, uh, man, it'd be nice to come over to your house. Um, Lord, I pray that each person in here would feel like right now they've received the invitation. Lord, I ask that you move, and I ask that you give us um, just kind of a little extra today. Just, just uh, move, move with us, um, and um, almost like that extra pudding we shouldn't have. Let us have it. Um, in your name, Lord, we pray. Thank you so much.